Support for this podcast comes from CityCast Denver. CityCast Denver is the daily local podcast that tackles stuff you've been wondering about Denver. Would a Denver Olympics be a good thing? Will the cost of housing ever come back down to earth? Is Casa Bonita still Casa Bonita if the food is tasty? Each morning, CityCast Denver brings you the hidden gems and unexpected discussions you actually want to hear. Plus, a dose of local news to get you up to speed. Hosted by lifelong Denverite Bree Davies, every episode of CityCast Denver is the local conversation you won't want to miss. Made by Denverites, for Denverites. Find CityCast Denver on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Underground at the Showcase, an official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase, powered by Youth on Record. I'm Genevieve Glimp. We are recording all weekend at Mutiny Information Cafe on Broadway with a number of artists who are performing at this year's festival. In this episode, we are joined by Immigrant's Child. Immigrant's Child is a Denver-based indie alternative rock band. Their musical influences range from Grand Funk Railroad, Los Mesoneros, Rage Against the Machine, and many more. Immigrant's Child consists of four members, Josiah on bass, Mario on guitar, Colin on drums, and Kiana on vocals. And we're here with Mario and Kiana. Welcome. Let's listen to your song, Kiss Me and Cry. Kiana, welcome to UMS and to the podcast. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Of course. And I want to know, how does it feel to be playing UMS? Uh, really good. I mean, it's a, last year was our first year. So, you know, there's always like whenever you're doing something for the first time, it's a little rough, but it feels really cool, especially because we're playing at a different, like bigger stage. We were played at, was it the Hornet? Yeah, we played yeah. the Hornet. The Hornet last year, now we're doing high dive, and so that just kind of feels like a really good accomplishment, and we're really excited to, to play. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I'll be seeing your show later today. Oh, great. Uh, what can I expect from your live show? I think a lot of emotion. Like, we tr we're trying to make sure, like, on stage, the, the audience can still feel what we're playing, and it doesn't feel very um, shallow. High energy, a little bit of Spanish. Maybe a little bit more Spanish this time around. Yeah, we've, we've really leaned into our Latino influences, uh, especially for this, um, our upcoming EP. So you'll hear quite a bit of, um, you'll essentially hear the, all the new songs for the EP. Mm -hmm. um, and it'll be very clear and very significant, just our identity, our connection to Denver, our, just our love for mm -hmm. our community. So. What is this EP called? I don't actually know if we have a name for it yet. Not yet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a mystery. Yes. So you've played 
at a lot of local venues around mm-hmm. Denver. Which has been your favorite place to play? Good question. Um, we got a lot of love for Herman's Hideaway. Yeah. We haven't played there in a while, but when we were first starting out, uh, Herman's was so supportive and they asked us several times to come back and it just helped us get our groove and get going. Yeah. Um, because that's, that was, no, that was our second like live show, but it was just such a fun experience. No, we've, we, it was like third, but, or something like that. But before COVID, we had so, we had such a hard time booking anywhere. Like nobody would book us, nobody would respond to us or anything. And Herman's was always, like always open to having us. And then also like we would reach out to them, they reach out to us. And, and then they also, I feel at least like pay wise with the way that they have their ticket set up is also very fair for the bands. And like not a lot of places are like that, but they've always been really good to us. Mm-hmm. But outside of, I mean, it's always a good show at Herman's. Outside of that, we've also done some house parties. Yeah. And I think those <laughs> tend to be our favorite. Uh, there's one that, they call it Cowtown. I don't think it's going on anymore. Maybe it's not, it's but not, the, the past but couple summers they did it, uh, and it's like an old home from like what the nineteen, like nineteen twenties maybe. And everybody kind of packs into this living room, and it's just like very intimate, and everybody's dancing around and jumping together, and that just feels, it's just really fun. I think those are the, like the best yeah. ones. You get so much energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I smacked a couple monitors, or almost got into the crowd yeah. a little bit. I had to kick my glasses okay, under a couch because they fell off, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna step on these. <laughs> That's super cool. And on your Instagram, you're saying that you're trying to make it medium. What does that mean to you? <laughs> okay. Um, I I wrote that, and I mean, maybe we should have changed that a while ago, but I think it's funny. You know, instead of like, you know, people are like, I'm just trying to make it big. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to be famous. I want to make it big. And we're like, we're just trying to make it medium. <laughs> a little self-deprecating humor. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're pretty small now, but we can at least make it to medium. And then maybe big if it happens, but yeah, medium mostly. <laughs> Cool. I think it'd be great just to be known around Denver. That'd, yeah. be, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and speaking of living in Denver, how do you think that living in Denver specifically has influenced you, inspired you? So I grew up in Denver. So I was born in Juarez, and I came to Colorado when I was three years old. And I grew up in Denver right off of I-70 in the north. It was, it was the north side then. Now it's called the Highlands. And I just remember taking like Sunday bus rides with my mom to 16th Street Mall, going shopping at Ross, walking around the just the downtown area, um, seeing all the places off of Federal, off of Colfax, all the Mexican food stands, all the tax places, tire shops that we went to. And it was just such a rich experience because you're at the time you you feel a little weird, but you're surrounded by so much of your community. Um, There was so much Mm -hmm. Latino community and I didn't really understand that. I didn't see how significant that was until we moved away when I was a a kid. Mm -hmm. So it was really culturally impacting. It gave me a sense of identity as to who my family is, who I am, who my community, who I associate with. And seeing all the changes, a lot of it is really fun, but I do miss some of the spots and locales that we used to go to. But like I said, it's growing in a a very weird, um, awesome way. Excited to see where it goes. What are some of your your favorite spots currently? I love the Santa Fe Art District. Santa, oh yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Down there. We've done like photo shoots down there a couple times, and it's just a great area to be around. I don't know if I have another one. I Kiana thrifts a lot. I do. So she hits up Goodwill and I all these Goodwill small thrift shops. Strawberry <laughs> Mountain is a really good one. They like know me by face now. They've memorized me. It's like, yeah. <laughs> even when I cut my hair, they're like, oh, you cut your hair. And I was like, like, maybe I come here too often. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, they, there's a lot of really good thrift stores. And my mom's always been really into thrifting. So there'd be times where we just spend like a whole day. We'll come down to Denver or even like 
technically I grew up like more in Thornton area, but we'll just come down to Denver and, and thrift and so I'm a, the day there. I'm a big believer that the best taco places are either taco trucks or hole in the wall places. Yeah, 100%. But if y'all have never been to La, La Loteria, which is right down the street, that place is pretty legit. Like it actually meets the hype of what a taco place should be. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, it's right on South Broadway. This is awesome. Like <laughs> it's right across the street from where the showcase stage is at. Yeah, I tried getting in last night. It was so packed. There was no way I was getting a taco last night. <laughs> <laughs> Great. You heard it here first. Go to those. I love Strawberry Mountain as well. Oh, yeah. It's such a great place. I sell a lot of clothes there. And then every time I go, I'm like, what was the point of coming? I spent all my money <laughs> buying clothes. <laughs> like, I, I tried to sell clothes and then I ended up just using all that money to buy clothes there. So it's just... <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. What inspired the name of your band? That was... My your, dad, your dad. My dad threw out there. So I was trying to remember the story because, like, somebody asked us this before we were talking to him about it, and he's like, that's not how it happened. <laughs> and he's like, but no, so my dad, I think it was during um, one day that we were all over, and my dad, like, he kind of threw it out jokingly, but not jokingly, and was like, what about Immigrant's Child? And the reason for, like, the significance between that behind that is that the original members, so when it was me, Josiah, Mario, Brendan, and Jessica, all of us had some sort of connection to immigration. So Mario's born in Mexico, so was Brendan. Jessica's first generation, uh, she was, her family's from Korea, so she was first generation here in America. And then Josiah and I are the only ones out of all of our family to be second generation, because our parents, weirdly enough, like my mom and my dad were the only ones out of their own siblings to be born in America. So we just come from immigrant families. And so we realized that was our identity and decided to kind of put that within our band name. Not going to lie to you, I kind of struggled with it at first. I was like, yeah, this is a little too, like, on the head. Yeah. Um, but as we as we kept going and, like I was saying earlier, like, getting in touch with yourself and how you identify, I was like, you know what? Let's lean into it. This is who we are. Exactly. Let's just be proud of it and let's showcase it and our music and the way we talk and the way we play. Mm-hmm. And we've, at, we've had people come up to us. We played a small strip session at the Denver Art Society about a year ago. And we had a a couple of people that became fans then, and it was really cool to hear them, but they came up to us and they're like, we see the significance behind your lyrics of how we connect, how it connects to an immigrant identity. So it, it just meant a lot. And again, just that self-fulfillment, like fulfilling who you are, what you do through your art. It's a great feeling. Yeah, no, having people come up and talk to us about that and say like, it's so nice to see like, letting people on stage or be like there's somebody on stage that looks kind of like me and it's really refreshing to have uh to like have that connection and then talking about the immigration and i think really too because i think we all kind of had a hard time with the name at first but then as we started getting the art done for like our albums and our t-shirts i think that's also like what solidified it too it really helped us to continue like uh, framing the brand of the band if your band had a mission would that be it to kind of connect with people in that way? Yeah, I think so. I think maybe uh, connecting with people through music in a way that maybe I wish I had been able to connect with music. Sorry, with artists through music. I didn't grow up speaking Spanish and my parents don't really listen to a lot of like the typical Mexican music that like my extended family does. My parents don't. So I feel like I missed out on a lot of that. And then I would listen to a lot of white artists and uh, not have like that connection because I just don't feel the same or feel connected to them in that way. So I had a really great selection of music growing up because my family would listen to regional Mexican music, ballad Mexican music, and Mexican rock too. And then my dad would we'd be like driving in his car and he'd be like, throw on a Dorsch cassette, throw on the Eagles, throw on Metallica. He was 
a huge Metallica fan. And I just like had all this exposure. And then the one band that like finally did it for me was Nirvana. Cause I didn't expect my dad to like that. And all these influences just kind of coalesced. But like Kiana mentioned, like the majority of these people were American, except for like the Mexican side of the music. And I was like, why aren't we as big as that? What is stopping us? And so I was like, I want to do this. And one of our, one of my favorite artists, um, the Mars Volta and at the drive-in, their guitarist, his name is Omar Rodriguez Lopez. He's Latino, but his play style, his influence on what I do, that was so impactful. I was like, oh my gosh, here are Latino artists with, I know their singer for sure is of Mexican descent. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, they're so badass. They're so awesome. Like, I want to do that. So. Yeah, and that way there's not always this like recollection of like, oh, well, you are Latin, like you are Mexican, you, you're you going to play a specific type of music. And it's like, well, no, actually, we we play music that's got inspiration from both sides. And we sing in English, we sing in Spanish, and we can have this weird intersectionality between yeah. them. Yeah, no, so. it is. It's an intersectionality yeah. of, of what we do, of who we are. Mm -hmm. so. Beautiful. I was able to look at your Spotify and see that you guys have made playlists for the members of the band. And according to your playlist, some of your influences include artists and bands like Ariana Grande, Arctic Monkeys, Rage Against the Machine, Cage the Elephant, Blink-182. What specific elements do you feel like you've adopted from those artists? I love guitar work. Like, I'm obviously I'm a guitarist, so like, that's what I look for. But a big thing for me that sticks out from these bands too is the drums. You gotta have that hard kick and snare. You gotta feel it in your chest type deal because to me, the, the best bands have these powerful drummers behind them that draw you in and then everything else just kind of falls into place with it. So that's where that inspiration comes from because Rage Against the Machine, they're so awesome. And their drummer, he can be very direct, but it's powerful, it's in your chest and then you hear everyone else come in. But if you want to talk about Ariana Grande because yeah. <laughs> okay um I I mean like when I listen to music I try to listen to everything but as far as inspiration and finding inspiration I'm just vocals all the way like I I am very particular about finding vocals that I love so um Ariana Grande Donna Massal Kimbra um Amber Lucy which I just recently started listening to all of their vocals are absolutely amazing and I try to go through not like kind of imitate but not so that I can sound like them but so that I can practice new things and notice new things in my own voice or, or that's how I learn. like I learn from listening and understanding like okay that's how she did that and like I really like the way this sounds or the effect that this has it I want to put that into my song or like I want to have that feeling like the way this song makes me feel when I sing it or when I listen to it I want to give that feeling when I sing so I focus a lot on just vocal dynamics and how I want to portray myself as a singer and whenever we go into the studio like like, we have inspiration that can throw out ideas, but I think that Colin, Josiah, and Mario are a lot better at coming up with all the extra stuff. And then I just try to focus on the vocals and the harmonies um, and just kind of, like, perfecting that because I don't want to be... I kind of feel like it can be really easy to be a lazy singer on stage. Not, like, easy, but more that... It can be very easy to just not practice or not focus on perfecting the vocals. Like, if the instruments sound great, like... Sometimes it doesn't, like, people aren't going to listen to vocals or it doesn't matter. I'm sorry, maybe I'm, like, misspeaking. I'm just saying that I feel that um, there's not as much time or effort or, like, put it. You know what? I'm going to shut up. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you want to you be that. as good. <laughs> you want to be as good as the music, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what you're trying that's to get what at. That's I'm trying to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, uh, what do you do specifically for your voice? I guess it kind of depends on what I'm focusing on. So I go through different phases where I 
will kind of fixate on a certain type of music. So I went through phase with Ariana Grande because her, her most recent album... Positions. Yeah, position. There you go. I was like, what? yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, I got nervous. But anyways, uh, the positions album. She does a lot of whistle tones, and she does a lot of like very breathy stuff. And then she has a lot of really good transitions from her chest to her head voice to her belting notes. And so I just spent a while like focusing on that and trying to get like my breathiness better in like specific sections. And then recently, I've been listening to Amber Lucy so much, and she does a lot of like very like high note, very soft, like head voicey tones. And I actually ended up using that in one of the songs we recorded for the new EP. And I've just been, I'd been focusing on, cause I don't, my Mario knows this, I, I struggle with even liking my head voice. And I kind of hate my head voice sometimes. So I just sat and like practice and listen to the way that she did it and tried to make it my own or try to find my own head voice in that and then apply it to our songs. But yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but I just try to use it to learn how I can be better as a singer and apply new things. And how do you gain confidence in your voice? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think uh, I've always struggled with confidence and I still do. Weirdly enough, like listening to yourself, like that's, they always tell you that with like lessons or when I was in school for opera for a bit, I was like, you just got to listen to yourself. And I hated that. I feel like hearing yourself back is weird, but being able to go back and analyze my own voice and then appreciate something within that gives me confidence. So sometimes it's, hard to get to like sit and get myself to do that but once I record something and then I listen to it and then I'm like I liked that like I liked the way I sounded and being able to validate myself that gives me confidence I guess so a big thing that I that Kiana and I talk about and that I tell her because when we're practicing or making writing new stuff she tells me like oh I sound pitchy or like it sounds too rough and for me I just look at her and I'm trying to apply this to myself too it's like it's rock it can sound messy it can sound weird, right? We're not here to be perfect. We're here to just push that out there. Mm -hmm. So when, at least for me, when I'm playing and I have to sing, I close my eyes because it just, it lets me take the focus off me, off myself personally, and just, this is what I wrote. Yeah. I'm feeling what I wrote. I'm feeling what I'm saying. That's it. It's not my self-image. It's not how I'm presenting it. Mm -hmm. I want to say this for me. So. Yeah, I know. It's true. I try to do that on stage too. Like I close my eyes, but then there's been multiple times where I almost trip, <laughs> so I <laughs> have to be like extra careful. So it's about the performance, yeah. for you guys. Great. So Kiana, you talked a lot about your like vocal heroes. Mario, I want to know if you have like a drum hero. Uh, Dave Grohl is underrated. I know he's like the front man of the Foo Fighters and everything now, but when you listen to the Nirvana record, when I listen to Nirvana, like the drums stick out so much to me. And then when he had that stint with Queens of the Stone Age for the one album, insane. True, like just an insane powerhouse. Like, and he he's very open about it. He prefers those big 80s drums where it's like these massive toms and this big, massive kick. It's not like a condensed drum kit at all, but it's it's got such a boom. It registers so loudly and it sounds so clean. I can see that. <laughs> so one of your most popular songs is off of your latest project, which is Silk and Gold. And it's called Kiss Me and Cry. What is the inspiration of that? And what was the process of writing it like? So we wrote that together. Um, I guess we'll start with the music. I had been sitting on that riff for like mm -hmm. almost two years. Uh, if you go on our Instagram, I like, like there's a video of me like teasing it or whatever. That was way before I even posted that. It was once we actually finally got it written and everything, I was like, oh, I guess I'll throw this out there because it's coming soon. But I sat on it and... Honestly, it was like kind of like a chord style that I stole from John Mayer because he had a he has a, a a great song. Oh my gosh, 
I can't remember the name of it right now, but I like the core style of it. I just like took it up a couple steps and then added my own little embellishments to it um, so that it's not like exactly what it's playing. I just took the chord. <laughs> and from there, we kept rehearsing it and rehearsing it, but we had like this weird janky model for it. And then well, right before we recorded, because we actually finished that song the week before we went into the studio. Mm -hmm. So it was like kind of a last minute because we we're like, what else are we recording? What else are we recording? As soon as we got the song structured down, Kiana and I sat down to write lyrics. She had the chorus figured out. And so we ran off of that. Kind of. Because I remember like listening to the song. I was like, this is a love song. And then we wrote the lyrics. We're like, this might be a song about death. <laughs> and it was just like unintentional. But I think sometimes when you're writing lyrics, you're going through a song. Like you're, you're subconsciously, you know what the song is supposed to be about. And so you just write what what it really feels it was a rough time too one of my i had a death in the family and it it sucked like it was, they're very strong feelings and very it was hard for me to ignore and i just needed to put it out somewhere and to this day I like my favorite line is just the, the very first line the way the way the song is introduced you remind me of a place i've never been it's yeah because that's that's what it was especially yeah it's it's just so impactful to me and it was i was like oh my gosh we wrote this together and it's it's hitting it on the head of like, this is mourning, this is high energy, this is celebration as well. That's that's what I was hoping to convey in those high energy parts. And mm -hmm. But that songwriting process is really just Kiana and I sitting down once the song structure is done and like, what lyrics fit here? And arguing just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> well, the lyrics too, I think that it was kind of intentional to, like we kind of purposely made them nonsensical. Like, you know, people say you can't really like, describe love well, I think that's like the same thing with death when you love someone so much you can't you can't explain the love for them and you also can't explain how much it hurts or what it feels like to hurt when they leave so the whole like you remind me of a place I've never been and then the whole like playing chase in empty halls or packed Back up memories, memories of yeah. all the things we wish like things like that like within the lyrics that don't really make sense they almost sound like a they're opposing themselves when you guys write together what is, what's your process? What's that like for both of you? I think it's typically Mario is really good at sitting with the guitar, so it's typically him starting with it. So yeah, I'll sit, either I'm watching a show or I'm playing games or I'm just in like my office and I'll stay there for hours just trying to figure something out, mm -hmm. even if it sounds weird or janky. And then I present it to the band. We start writing, everyone starts writing their parts to it. And once that song structure is down, then Kiana and I sit down with it, and that's when we start putting the lyrics onto it. I've tried, we've tried, where we write the lyrics first. And it, for us, it feels disjointed. I, I know for some people, they really thrive off that process, mm -hmm. but we like to write the music first, the mm -hmm. instrumentation behind it, and then we get to the well, lyrics. Especially because the lyrics, if we wrote the lyrics first, the songs would be very different than mm -hmm. what we, if we write them after because it's just not the same like the song doesn't feel the same before and after and we go in and change things and then we'll often record it too and then in, like we'll once we've done it with the band we'll record it and then i go back and listen to it as well and just have moments like listen to it in my car on my way to work or whatever and try to come up with melodies and then we'll also come back sit down and be like all right what do you have all right what do you have and we'll literally just put an iphone in the middle of the rehearsal room yeah. and like voice memo <laughs> mario also just walks around um Every time in his phone, he's got this memo, this notepad memo on his phone that he, anytime he has a lyric thought, he writes it down in his phone. That thing's since 2017. So it's, yeah, it's, it's dense. Um, yeah. I'm like, I'm, thank God it's backed up to like the cloud. Should I ever like get my phone stolen or just lose it? But yeah, there's just so much in there. A lot of it can be cringy. 
<laughs> That's boy. the process. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what advice do you guys have for other young artists? Make friends. Um, they're, the Denver music community, I think we're very lucky that everybody is very encouraging and supporting. And I think that we have gotten a lot of opportunities because of the community that is always like, hey, we're playing this gig, you want to open for us? Hey, I know so-and-so needs a band for this. Do you want to, are you open to playing it? And things like that. And then just being able to support each other because then we, we can all rally together and uh, be at each other's performances and buy each other's merch and things like that. But the, the Denver community is very encouraging and very open. So being able to make friends and make those connections has really helped us, I think, with our music. Be proud, not egotistical. Mm -hmm. um, and say hi to everyone, even if it feels a little weird. But if I recognize someone that we follow on Instagram or like pretty much anyone that we follow, I will make an effort to be like, hi, I'm from this band that we like you follow or we follow you. Like, it's great to see you. Or like I've actually take the time to actually engage with their art, with their content. That's how you make those connections that we're talking about. It's great to introduce yourself. It's great to make friends. It's great to listen to the local art local music scene mm -hmm. just be very open be friendly thank you so much for that wisdom um before we wrap up could you tell our listeners where to find you and your music uh, you can find us on spotify you can find us on itunes um napster myspace i don't know any of those things but we are on instagram at immigrants underscore child and we're on twitter at immigrants c as in child for <laughs> Uh, I mean, we don't really use our Facebook, so. No, and our Twitter was mostly Mr. Worldwide Memes because Spotify <laughs> tells you, like, where you get played. So, we, like, if it was Taiwan, we'd be like Mr. Worldwide and throw a pimple yeah. game over it. <laughs> yeah, anytime a new Congrats. country was added, yeah. we'd always just, like, post that with a meme. It's like random, like, one listen, but we're like, yeah, yeah we made it international. <laughs> this is Australia, guys. We did it. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> you guys are worldwide. <laughs> Immigrant's Child, Kiana and Mario, thank you so much for joining us on Underground at the Showcase. It's been amazing. Thank you. Thanks for thank having you. us. Thank you so much. Underground at the Showcase is an official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase and a production of Youth on Record. You can learn more about Youth on Record at youthonrecord.org and on social media at Youth on Record. You can stream our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please like, follow, and subscribe. Our team includes Lauren Francisco, Sean King, and Tierney Worthen. This episode was edited and mixed by Akello Stallings. Our executive producers are July Jones and David Layden. Additional music for this episode was provided by 88. We want to give a big thanks to Mutiny Information Cafe for hosting us. You can learn more about Mutiny at mutinyinfocafe.com. Thank you for tuning into the show. I'm Danny Akery. And I'm Genevieve Glimp, and you are listening to Underground at the Showcase.